Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. So open your Bibles, if you will, to Matthew chapter 16. And we're going to start with the message, then I'll go into the New King James, another verse. All right. Uh, Matthew 16, Jesus connected with his disciples about showing his true identity. Remember that? He said, uh, who, do, who are people saying that I am? And then they said, well, some people think you're you know, Elijah. Some people think you're John the Baptist. Some people think you're this, that, the other. And Jesus kind of keyed into the disciples and said, well, who do you say that I am? And Simon looks at him and he said, you're the Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus acknowledges that he didn't get that from textbooks. He didn't get that from education. He got that from God the Father. He got it from from God himself. Matthew 16, 18, it says this. So Jesus said to him, and now I'm going to tell you who you really are. So who do you say that I am? You're the Christ. He said, okay, and now I'm going to tell you who you are, who you really are. You are Peter, a rock. This is the rock on which I will put together my church, a church so expansive with energy. Put a pin in that right there because we're going to come back to it. I put together my church, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. And that's not all. You will have complete and free access to God's kingdom, keys to open any and every door. No more barriers between heaven and earth, earth and heaven. A yes on earth is a yes in heaven, and a no on earth is a no in heaven. I love that. Now I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. Familiar passage to many people here. But when Jesus saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. You know, I want to remind you that what Jesus saw, what he said in the scattering. Remember, Pastor Lindsay started our new series last week called Gather. And it was a masterful opening, by the way. Pastor Lindsay laid it out there, gave me a great foundation on which to build for the month. Very powerful. But I want you to realize in this passage, Matthew chapter 9, Jesus said the harvest is huge. It's plentiful. It's the labors are few. For some reason, like I'm talking about the power of boldness to to believe and trust God, we believe in our modern times often that there's a lack of interest. That if I was to pray for somebody uh, and, and invite them to church, that they wouldn't come or they wouldn't be interested or maybe they, maybe they came before and they didn't have, maybe they were closed off or maybe they said they'd come, they didn't show, whatever else. We start to overthink things and overprocess people in our own hearts and minds because we start saying, well, they're not interested. The Bible doesn't say we have an interest problem. The Bible says we have a labor shortage. We have a shortage of people who just simply believe God Love people 
and are willing to gather them in. We got to believe God. We've got to trust Him. We got to believe. Let's pray one more time. God, would you open the eyes of our heart today to take hold of your promises and your purposes? We look to you as we gather in your, in your new house, in your house right here, as we gather together, Lord. We're believing you to come and do whatever you want to do. Show us who you are and show us who we are in you. In Jesus' name, amen. The word gather, very powerful word, uh, not only in English, but a very powerful word in the Greek. We'll talk about it in, in a few moments. But you might think, um, I, by the way, when I saw the graphic from the graphics department last week, a week and a half ago, I thought PL is going to make fun of this graphic because there's no black folks in this picture. And I knew it right away, and I thought, well, they don't, you know, when I heard him say it last week, I said back to the screen, I said, well, they don't look like my people either. <laughs> I knew you were going to be funny about that. I knew, this, I knew you were going to make a joke out of it. But anyway, <clears throat> um, this theme is not just about the holidays. I want to drive that point home. It, yes, we have Thanksgiving in a week and a half. That's crazy. We have Thanksgiving in a week and a half. But that's not what this theme is about. I believe the word gather is a prophetic thought right now about what God's been saying. Remember, if you remember the first month of the year, our theme in January for this year, the overarching theme for the year was Harvest time. Harvest time. When I was flying over um, Iowa about to land in Omaha, Nebraska, I looked out and uh, I usually have an aisle seat. For some reason, I had a window seat from Atlanta on. And I was looking out and, and getting to see the terrain, which I hardly ever get to see. And I saw harvest fields all over Iowa and Nebraska. Just flying in there is like, oh my goodness, that's right. The, the, Thanksgiving, the Thanksgiving holiday was because it was harvest time and it was their first harvest of the pilgrims seeking after God after they made it through a rough winter. They were able to plant and this was their first harvest and they wanted to, they wanted to dedicate it to God and say, God, this is, this is because of you. You helped us to break through. You helped us to live. You helped us to survive. And now we have harvest. Well, I want to tell you, it's harvest time in the kingdom right now. If you believe like I do that, that there's a lot of things going on in the world that you can't explain, it's not time to be afraid, but it is time to be concerned about other people who don't know Jesus. It's time to, to lift our eyes under the fields and see that they are ripe unto harvest. And understand that part of the gathering is gathering them in. Pastor Lindsay defined gather as to come or bring together to assemble or accumulate, to take in from scattered places or sources. That's why I read that scripture. Jesus saw them weary and scattered like sheep without a shepherd. Taken in from scattered places or sources. Assemble one's thoughts to gather yourself. Emotions, gather your strength for a purpose. To gather, a person gathers himself. I want you to know, in this loneliness epidemic right now, the greatest loneliness people are feeling, even in crowds, is if they don't have a real relationship with God. If they don't have a real relationship with God <clears throat> through Jesus Christ in a great way. 
So we have to understand the harvest is plentiful, but laborers have to be gatherers. And part of gathering is inviting people. You know, I, 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 statistically, I read something just a few months ago once again that there's a great percentage of unsaved, unchurched people in America that said and responded favorably that if somebody would simply invite them to a church that was alive and that they could come and meet some people and they would come be with them, that they would come, that they would come and, and, and check it out. That's, that, that is statistically something that's there. The problem is we, we switch it off in our brains because we go, well, that person doesn't look interested. Well, that kid that I ministered to, Connor, last Sunday, I don't know, I hope he's back in church today in Lincoln. But the, last Sunday, he didn't look interested even when I'm ministering to him and he's in church. But then God got a hold of him, see. What did it take for God to get a hold of you? Because I'll tell you what, I was, I was pretty stubborn myself. I, I, I didn't want to go to some dead church. I was, I was frustrated with, with, I was raised in traditional religion all my life. And at 19, I, I still had not really heard the gospel that I knew. And suddenly, when I was, I remember my aunt's words to me, just cry out to Jesus when you get in trouble, when you get in a situation. Just call upon the name of the Lord. Because whoever calls upon the name of the Lord would be saved. I didn't know that was Romans 10. But it's in the word of God. And when I cried out to him, he revealed himself to me. Now, as you know, I have a real grace to travel. I love it. Even the, the flights, the airports, the craziness most of the time, not all the time. But there's something that I love more than all my travels, and that is coming home. And that's the theme of today. That's the message title for today. Coming home. Ever say home? How many know there's a difference between a house and a home? I don't know if you've gone through the legacy building this morning coming through uh, to, the, to the auditorium, but um, we've had some busy people the last few weeks decorating and getting things in order in there. And, you know, it, it's been a house since we dedicated it in August, but it's becoming a home. It's becoming a home. And so there are welcoming spaces there. Wait till the cafe opens in a few months. It's going to be even more. Home is the place I long for when I'm away. Home is, I love the atmosphere of home, the atmosphere of safety and security. I, you know, in, at home, I'm loved and accepted and so are you. At home, you're loved and accepted even in your pajamas, you know. You don't, have to, you don't have to wear fancy clothes or anything else. You just, you're, just, you're just accepted in your skivvies, you know. You're just accepted just in your big old, I, I, I don't know much, I like a big old nightshirt. You know, I wear a big old nightshirt and, and, and I, I just love just being comfortable. Part of home is comfort. You're accepted, you're loved, and you're not having to pretend anything. You, when you're not having company over, you just relax, you're just there. And I'm telling you, home is like a little taste of heaven on earth, isn't it? Now, I realize that's not everybody's home in every season of life. But God's ideal is that your home is more than your castle. Your home is your home. Your home is your place where you can just be yourself. You can relax. You can, you're accepted. You don't have to strive to be anything. And that's one of the things I'm supposed to talk about today. Coming home to the Father's house. Church is supposed to be Papa's house. It's a place where you're coming back and you're gathering together around his presence. 
around Papa, around the Father God. I get a little bit frustrated with the traditional religious concept of church. The early church was so fully alive and moving in great grace and great power as they had such an intimacy with the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, look, I'm going to be going away, but I'm sending you. It's better for you that I go away because I'm sending you another comforter, a comforter. To me, the word comforter sounds like a, like a thick blanket, you know. This, um, you know, when I used to go to Iceland a lot back in the 90s and early 2000s, I would go up there and sometimes I'd bring home an Icelandic comforter for my family and, uh, and it just was this nice blanket. I think, it's, I think we wore a few of them out. But uh, it, was so, it was so nice and thick. It was almost too thick for Florida. We had to put our air conditioning way down to use it. But it was the, these nice down comforters, you know. It's, it's, good to, you know it's, it's good to get that comfort, that warmth, that feeling. But that's the way it's supposed to be in the presence of God. That's the way it's supposed to be, that warm acceptance that warmth, that, that you, we're good, we're, we're doing good. And that's what the church moved in. They had an intimacy with the Holy Spirit. They were immersed in relationship with Jesus and with each other. That's why Pastor Lindsay began with Acts chapter 2 last week in the life of the early church. They were gathered together because they were learning together, growing together, eating together, praying together, sharing together, going to church together. The common thought is they were gathered not scattered and what we have right now when you see the dysfunctionality of the world and places even in our own community it's where people are scattered and not gathered around his name gathered around the presence and person and power of the holy spirit they were gathered not scattered i like the word listen if you think about the word together it means to gather to gather, we're better. To gather, we're strong. To gather, when we're here in that same presence, God can do things that he can't do any other place, any other time. Together, therefore, they walk in power. I told you a while back about the knowledge doubling curve. I want to review that real quick. Some of you remember that. I shared with you a couple years ago. But a man named Buckminster Fuller, who was a, a genius, he was the second president of Mensa, the genius society in America. Um, he's, he's, he's gone now. But in his time, um, he invented things. He did many things. But one of the things he studied and came up with a, with a theory called the knowledge doubling curve. In 1982, he realized that all throughout history, that knowledge doubled for the last three or 4,000 years of human existence Knowledge doubled about every hundred years. So every hundred years, you would have a doubling of what we know as humans, what we understand, what we activate, what we do. <clears throat> Knowledge doubling curve. You can look it up. All throughout history, through 1900, about every hundred years, knowledge would double. But by 1945, Buckminster Fuller found that it was only taking 25 years Knowledge was doubling instead of every 100 years. Knowledge was doubling every 25 years. And it was on this exponential curve, and he began to study it about the future. By the year 2000, knowledge was doubling every 12 hours. Now, that, now the year 2000 sounds like 
For those of us that are older, that sounds like yesterday. But for those that are young, that's like prehistoric times. <clears throat> they, they, they don't, under, okay, if, they were, if you were born after the year 2000, you, you don't even understand certain things about that. And that's cool. That's fine. We're not putting you down for it. But I'm saying to you, we're now 23 years beyond that. Google and AI and what's happened in the internet explosion since the year 2000, knowledge is doubling like this because it was exponential in 2000 whereas every 12 hours, then it was every six, then every three. Nobody, it, knowledge is increasing so fast right now that you almost can't comprehend how fast it's going. We live in an information age. The problem is we've become head smart and heart dumb. We've become head smart and, and heart dumb. We've substituted information for connection. We have accepted the information age, and that's fine, but the problem is we have become increasingly less connected, and that was, was galvanized in the COVID situation just a couple of years ago. And, and, and how disconnected, how fragmented, how, how, how much we've been away from, uh, we're, we've, we've failed to connect with humanity, we failed to connect with God himself. The word says, woe to him who is alone when he falls. Two is better than one, and a threefold cord is almost unbreakable. I was telling my small group last month, what happens is, you know, if, if you take a, you know, a single strand of, uh, of, of string or thread, uh, you can pretty much pull it apart. If, if you intertwine them, it's a little stronger, but you could probably still pull them apart. But if you take that invisible, that little fishing line, and you wrap two threads around the fishing line, and then you go to try to break it, you'll never pull the thing apart. Jesus is that third strand. Jesus is that invisible, that, that, that fishing line that enables us to be intertwined together so that nobody can pull us apart when we're going through something, when we're under attack, when the enemy has put his sights on you and trying to take you out. You need to understand, we are, we are better to gather. We are better when we're gathered in his name. There is power that flows and the enemy has no power against it. Amen. What is church supposed to be? That's what I really want to hit on today and next, next week we'll go a little bit stronger with what this does. But what is church supposed to be? I believe God is raising his own loving family in his house. I believe church is more than just a once a week stopping off point. It's, it's more than just a, a, the, the place we go to. It's more about the vision we gather around and the sense of the presence of God that we are gathered around. God is raising his own loving family in his house. That's a great place to say amen. Do you receive it? you understand it? God, when you're here... God, the Father, is here and he's raising you up. He's doing something to involve you, to reveal to you that you're part of his family. The church is like his living room. We're hanging out in his presence. 
When Jesus first describes building his church, he uses the Greek word ecclesia. Some people say ecclesia, but I, I heard it taught originally, and that's where I'm standing. Ecclesia, the, like Ecclesiastes, the ecclesia. The word ecclesia in the Greek means a gathering together of called out ones to action. It is a place, remember I read you from the, from the message, uh, a church so expansive with energy. There's an, there's an energy to church. It's not just a place you go. I, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, church was where we went. Uh, I thought it was Jesus' funeral every Sunday because we went every week, and there's an organ and a choir, and the, my parents love the choir, and that's great. That's their generation and their thing. Cool with me. That's how they connect with God. Even in their 80s now, they still, they, 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 they live in Ocala now, but they want to be where there's a, a nice old-fashioned choir and an organ. Great. Not a problem at all. But the reality is, for me, in my generation, I... I, I I want. I, mean, I saw that uh, that monstrosity of the organ, and I wanted to be an organ donor. Is what I wanted to be. I want to. I want to donate that. You know, get that thing out of there. We need some guitars. We need. And 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 back then, when I was growing up in the '60s and '70s, they didn't have too many guitars and drums in church. And I thought to myself, self, um, if 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 I ever. Uh, would find a way to enjoy a church, it would have to have some music that I could relate to. That's kind of what I felt. And so, uh, you know, when I was first called to minister when I was 22 years old and I went and told my wife, I feel called to be a pastor. She goes, well, you married the wrong girl. She said, I don't play the piano and I don't sing in the choir. You know, and that, that was like the definition we thought of what a pastor's wife was even back in those days. Thank God for Pastor Gail. And what she's brought into this, you know, some of you younger ladies, you, you, you listen. The word of God is clear. There are there are women in ministry in throughout the Bible, from from the book of Judges and all the way through the book of Revelation. There are women that were called apostles. There were women that were called prophetesses and prophets. There were women that were pastors and teachers and leaders. There's a couple called Priscilla and Aquila. That, you know, uh, in the Bible, we have something called the law of first mention when you're doing the, when you're doing, uh, understanding the, the whole concept of how the Bible is understood. And you have something called law of first mention, which means the, the order that people are mentioned in the Bible is very clear. Well, in the, in the, uh, in, in the book of Acts, Priscilla and Aquila were great comrades, great people that, that Paul met when he was working a secular job making tents. And, uh, and he, some people think he was nervous because he was too tense, but that's not what it was. He was just making sure you're okay. So, so he, was, he was making these tents. He met this, this couple, and she's always mentioned first, Priscilla and Aquila, and they had a church that began at their house, and then they became people that, that ministered to Apollos, and Apollos became a pastor in Corinth when Paul left. And so this whole exponential thing. But Priscilla is always mentioned. They're never mentioned apart. And she's always mentioned first. She had a, more, a little bit more of a preaching gift than her husband did. But they were a good team. Listen, I'm thankful for those days where, that, we, that we have pioneered. But understand that when we were, when we were 22 years old and looking forward, 
It didn't look like these things would happen. And I remember, I just, when I was the most surprised when I felt God call me to minister, call me to be a pastor. And I said, God, how can I be a pastor? I hate church. <laughs> that makes no sense to me. And the Lord said, I called you to change it. I called you to change it. Now, that's scary when you're 22 years old. It's scary when you're 62 years old. It's, it's, it's a frightening thing. I called you to change it. Ah, well, what does that mean? Well, it's taken me 40 years to find out, to let it unfold one step at a time and change the way we do church. Well, what I believe it's called to be is that gathering together called out once to action. It is, it's, listen, the word ecclesia was already used to describe a civic center. It was a secular word. It wasn't a, it wasn't a Bible word. The ecclesia was a word in the Greek that used to describe kind of a civic center. It was a place where decisions were made and decrees were proclaimed about was or what was not allowed in the public square. That's what an ecclesia was. An ecclesia was a place where they said, well, we want this in our city, but we don't want that in our city. Wasn't well, interesting. The following part is, I'll build, on this rock I'll build my church, the gates of hell not prevail against it, and I will give you the keys so that whatever you bind from heaven will be bound on earth. Whatever you, whatever you loose, it'll be loosed. Whatever you permit will be permitted. Whatever you say no to, well, that's the picture of the ecclesia. The Passion Translation, listen to this, the Passion Translation to this day uses the term legislative assembly for the word ecclesia. Let me read it for you. Matthew 16, 18, the end of it says this. Jesus said, and this rock will be the bedrock foundation on which I will build my church, my legislative assembly, and the power of death will not be able to overpower it. Very strong, isn't it? My legislative assembly. In other words, things we talk about here and things we decide, we decree, things we pray, things we declare, things we believe, things we talk about as a body are things that then begin to affect the community at large. They begin to affect what's going on out there because they're affecting what's happening in here. Are you seeing it? The church is not, we were never designed at its core, it was never intended to be a building with pews, religious symbols, organs, and steeples. That's not what church was supposed to be. That happened through the, something we call the dark ages. That it digressed, it devolved, and it became large cathedrals. You know, when I was in Europe a few, a few months ago, you see all these gargoyles and stuff on these old churches. What monstrous looking, hideous things. Well, they believed that they scared away evil spirits. Well, that's not in the Bible. That's more out of totem pole thinking from ancient times and ancient uh, indigenous people groups that had all these, you see almost every culture, they have these scary looking, like totem pole looking things to try to scare away evil spirits. Well, you know how we scare away evil spirits? We say in the name of Jesus, you have no power here. And I want to say that right now. <clears throat> if you came in, and you've been having problems sleeping. A lot of times behind that, I mean, there can be natural chemical things going on in your body, different changes, different things happening. But I'm saying to you, the enemy will try to vex your dreams, try to knock you down. I'll just take a second right now. If you've been having trouble sleeping, 
and you believe God can heal you, you need a touch from God to get good sleep. Well, stand up on your feet right where you are. Didn't plan to do this. I'm just going to be obedient. Wow. Well, we break insomnia off of you. Everybody stretch your hands toward these people. And I want to pray for those of you on online campus as well. Father, in Jesus' name, we take authority in that precious name above every name over these demonic forces and these things that try to vex people's souls. I come against nightmares. I come against restlessness. I come against that restless leg syndrome thing they talk about on TV. I come against every lie of the enemy right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, your word says that you give your beloved sweet sleep, confidence. Lord, I just break that curse of insomnia right now and almost the fear of laying their head on the pillow because they're just gonna lay there and be uncomfortable. We say no to that and we release your healing power to adjust everyone's sleep that is standing, whether in the room or whether at home. We speak sweet sleep on you when you're supposed to be sleeping and wide awake strength when you're supposed to be awake. In the name of Jesus, let your body cooperate with your destiny. And we thank you, Lord, for good hours of REM, deep, healing, rejuvenating, refreshing sleep. In Jesus' name. Jonathan, the devil's a liar. I don't know what you've been seeing when you go to sleep or try to sleep, but that thing is, that's demonic. It's evil and has no power over you or anybody else in the room. You can be seated. Come on, give God praise. He's doing something. We want to hear from you. We want to know. When you have a better night's sleep this week, we want to, we want to stand with you and rejoice because our God is a mighty healer. I've had that thing before where you just, you almost don't even want to go to bed. Because it's like, oh, I can't deal with another tossing and turning night, right? Some people, some of you have been taking medications, all kinds of stuff, and it doesn't help. That's when you know it's evil. That's when it's the demonic. When nothing even over the counter will work. Trust God. Claim his promises. I think there's a promise in Psalm 3, and I want to say there's a promise in Proverbs 3. But somewhere right there, uh, there, there's a great promise. I will lay my head down and my sleep will be sweet. I think that's Psalm 3. 4-8. Four, eight. Four, eight. There we go. Thank you, Miss Irma. Miss Irma's got the address right there. <laughs> Psalm, is it Psalm 4-8? Psalm 4-8. Is it David's Psalm? I laid my head down and my sleep will be sweet. I think that's one, one of those right there. Anyway, look up those promises. Find them because insomnia is in the Bible. But so is the healer. Amen. He gives his beloved sweet sleep. That's what the word promises. If, if you know he loves you, you can rest in that, okay? At its core, church was designed by God for gathering people together in authentic relationships. We don't necessarily come in our pajamas, but we also don't come in our suits and ties anymore as often. As often, I mean, sometimes we do for different events and things. <clears throat> not against them completely. Well, not much. <laughs> I'm not against ties, but I always say, no noose is good news. <laughs> anyway. All right. I'm back. 
It's about public discourse, learning about God and His kingdom, talking with God and about God, opening and closing kingdom doors with the power that He's given to us. So we'll talk about Wednesday night. But that's also the challenge. You show me a whole bunch of imperfect humans doing life together, and I'll show you insecurities rising to the surface, competitiveness, jealousy, and hurt feelings from time to time. Yet the Word says we love one another, and that's what shows the world that He's real and that He's alive. Because we love one another, even working through different things. This place is filled with imperfect people. If you came, by the way, if you're visiting with us today, and you're looking for the perfect church, you just ruined it. Why? Because you brought your imperfection into our imperfection. You brought your humanity into our humanity and learned that we're all hypocrites to a certain degree. We all ascribe to a certain level of life and we believe that's ideal, but we're not perfect. We haven't reached it yet, right? For anybody, listen, if you have attained that perfection, that religious perfection, we'd love for you to glow in the dark right now. Turn your, turn your lights on, glow in the dark right now, and float around the room with your angel wings, okay? So we can all see where you are. Anybody flying? No. Nobody flying. You know why? Because in God's house, we're brothers and sisters, and we've all been through some storms. We've all been through some stuff, and we haven't come through perfectly. We've all messed up sometimes, right? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everyone. So the problem is we get, we get expectations. That every, see, uh, uh, Ed Cole wrote years ago. He wrote, you know what we do is we always judge everybody else by their actions and we judge ourselves by our intentions. Well, I didn't mean to do that. Well, I didn't mean to say that. Well, that's not what I meant. Okay. We have to have the same standard. Then let's trust that everybody else's motivations are okay. Church is supposed to be a loving, a loving place of interaction where we relax in his presence. Make yourself at home in your father's house. Put your feet up, and I don't mean literally on the, you know, somebody else's chair in front of you. I just mean put your feet up, so to speak. It's about intimacy with God, a camaraderie with others, with other sons and daughters of God that were part of the family, that were not just servants, we're sons and daughters. We're not just servants, we're sons and daughters. I want you to get this real strong in you. In God's house, you discover your redemptive identity and purpose. In that gathering together of the disciples, Jesus said, who do they say that I am? Well, they say this, that, and the other thing. Okay, but who do you say that I am? When Peter said, when Simon said, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God, that's when Jesus said, and you're no longer this guy. You're now Peter. You're a rock. You're a stone. You're a stalwart. <clears throat> you're, you're strong. You're set. You're anchored. You're there. That's how I see you. That's how God sees you. In God's presence, in God's place, in the church is where you start to describe and see how God sees you instead of how you feel. And then as you grab a hold of what he says about you and how he sees you, it changes your life. And suddenly you become secure in who he is and not so worried about what everybody thinks about you. 
That's the house of God. That's the aim for now church. That's what we're trying to do here. A place of intimacy and discovering redemptive identity and purpose. Listen, God wants you to start. It begins when you, when you start getting secure in you. You can start looking at other people, not for their history, but for their destiny. You can see them for what God's called them to be and not just for what they've already done. You're going to see different potential in people. Then out of genuine connection, we reproduce other sons and daughters. Listen, as Pastor Lindsay brought up last week about the orphan spirit, that orphan mindset, and that's not based on whether you had good parents or didn't have good parents. It's still something we carry if we're disconnected from God as Father. We feel like orphans and we carry that around and we're constantly looking for stuff to fill that hole, to fill that gap inside. You know it as well as I do. The stuff that you tried when you were in the world was trying, you were looking for something that, that only God could satisfy. You were, looking for the, you were looking for the artificial, but you were looking for the real. You know the, the old song, looking for love in all the wrong places? You were looking for God's agape love. You were just looking in the wrong spots. And you were looking for all this affirmation from everybody else and all this stuff that would, that would make you feel better about yourself. No, but in the house of God, you begin to discover who he is. He sets who you, who you are, and then you become secure in that. Now you're able to minister to other people. I'm almost done. Primarily two conflicting overarching views of the church. And I want you to get this today because this is true. This is out of the dark ages. We get this vision of church as being a monastery. But God has called it as an embassy. Two different views of church. Monastery or embassy. Historically, those who believe the church is to be a walled in place of protecting human holiness, self-reflection, self-denial, almost self-affliction. Because we're, our, our, our flesh has got to die and we've got to kill it. Instead of bringing it into the fire of God as a living sacrifice, we're trying to do it religiously in self-righteousness instead of God-righteousness being imputed and imparted as a gift to us. Are you awake today? Then there are those of us who see church as an evangelical assembly, embassy, excuse me, an evangelical embassy, a place from which we reach disconnected others and help introduce them to God and his family. That's what we see church as. Listen, Jesus described the church that he's building, he describes it as prevailing over the gates of hell, right? But obviously that implies that the ecclesia is on offense, not on defense. No one has ever been attacked by a gate. Think about it. A gate is a, is a defensive thing to try to keep people out. Jesus said, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church that I'm building so expansive with energy. Why? Because we're going through right to the very gates of hell to rescue people that are hurting and broken. That's why we're asking you to, to take our end of your challenge and start to look in your heart and see at least one person that you're focused on to pray for every day these next few weeks. Then we've got all kinds of holiday activities. We have a Christmas music presentation on the 17th, is it? 17th of December in the evening. If they won't come any other time, get them to come for that time. That might be the moment that God gets them. 
that God's touch comes and makes himself real to them. Might be Christmas Eve morning. We're going to have one service on Christmas Eve day because Christmas Eve is a Sunday. This year we know it's a big family time. But we're doing one big combined service on Sunday morning at 10 a.m., if we have to, we'll do an overflow in the legacy building. But we'll bring the people. That might be the day. Listen, even, even we, call it, we used to call them CEOs, okay? Christmas, Easter only people. There's some people that will only consider going to church Christmas and Easter. It's usually the traditionally religious people. What if they came into this house instead of the pipe organ and, the, and, and all the traditions and all the shh? God is sleeping. Don't wake him up. What if you brought him into this place where we're praising God and singing, I prophesy. I prophesy to you. My friends, we got to be on offense. Gates are designed to deny access, but Jesus has given us access. We are a gathering together of called out ones to action. The action Storming the gates of hell, rescuing the weary, the scattered, and the scared, and the broken. This is our Father's house, and it's time to come home and get to know him. Get to know his heart, his deep love, his fatherly love for you and for others. Learn to trust him, his word, his voice. His, listen, the word says his sheep. Jesus said his sheep hear his voice and recognize it. They learn to tune in to the voice of the Father, learning to tune into the voice of God and hearing his promises. Get to know his heart today. Get to know his heart. I got one more story and I'm done. I heard the story recently of a young teenage girl who was on a flight with bad turbulence and the plane starts rocking and rolling and all the people, even the flight attendants, you, you, you know it's, a, it's bad turbulence when the flight attendants scream out. I've been on some of those. Where they start to panic, then you can get a little nervous, right? This young teenage girl was peaceful and calm, just kept reading her book. Finally, somebody looked over and said, young lady, everybody's freaking out here. How are you so peaceful? She said, I got a secret. She said, my father is the pilot. And I've been with him through many storms before, and he can get us through anything. What I want to tell you is when you get into the Father's house and you get to know him, you have a confidence in your papa that even, when you, even if there's some turbulence and you're going through some storms, we've been through some storms before, and he got us through. Dad's the pilot. We're going to be okay because we're at papa's house. Amen. Let's, would you bow your head and close your eyes? It's time to come home. When God is the captain of your plane, you can be confident he'll get you through every storm as well. And I want to say that to you right now. Maybe you're here today and you're going through a storm. Maybe you're watching us online right now and you're going through a storm in your life and you're wondering how you're going to get through. Maybe somebody got you to come to church today and you didn't even want to come, but you're here. I'm telling you, God's love is here for you. He loves you so much. He loves you more than you realize. It's not just a cliche. He loves you enough to give his son's life for you. But here's the deal. Here's how it works. You've got to say yes 
to his love. You, if you keep pushing his love away, you can do that. That's your option. You can choose to keep pushing God's love away, or you can choose to open your heart, open your hands, open your arms, and just say, Father, okay, I receive that you love me even if it's hard for me to believe it. I receive it because your word says it and I see it in the price that Jesus paid for me. If you're here today and you're going through something, we want to pray for you right now. Maybe you came in and you've been struggling. Maybe you're struggling with an addiction. I want to challenge you to bring it. Don't hide it in God's house. Bring it to God's house and put it on the table. Put it, put it out on, put it out in. Listen, this is like God's living room right here, okay? We're just hanging out with, with the Father. And we've all had stuff. We all have different bent. This is the moment to just bring it out in your hand and just say, God, you know what it is. You know what I've been struggling with. Nobody's here to embarrass you. Nobody's here to out you. Nobody's here to beat you down. Nobody's here to threaten you with fiery hell. Just here to tell you that he loves you. And even when you were running away, he was still trying to just draw you back. His arms are open. And he says, come home to me. Come home today. Come home today. Just say, Jesus, come into my life. Change me. And that's a beginning place. That's the beginning of your eyes being opened and your heart coming alive again. Let him touch your life with his presence. Papa God's waiting. Father God is just, he's not one. Listen, I'll talk about this more in a few weeks, but listen to this. He's waiting when you feel like you're not worthy. He's waiting with a royal robe, a signet ring, and a good steak to come to his house for a party and say, my son, my daughter, they were dead but they're alive because they came home. Come home to him. Come home to him today. We run to the Father, fall into grace. I'm done with the hiding, no reason to wait. My heart found a surgeon, my soul found a friend, so I run to Close your eyes right now. He's here. is here for you right now. This atmosphere is not just for everybody else. It's for you. 
right where you are. My friend over here, is it, are you, are you Ishmael? Is that your name? Ishmael, Ishmael, is that your name? What's your name? What is it? Bow. That's right. You're the Brazilian guy. That's right. That's right. There was another tall guy in here. I just want to make sure I get your name right. Powell, like Paulo, like Sao Paulo. St. Paul. Okay. Stand up for a second. You've been coming for a while, and I'm just getting to know you. Lift your hands up right where you are. God's got a great plan for your life, Powell. You've known it since you were little, but he's really drawing you back. Everybody stretch your hands toward Powell. Father, do a work in this young man. Bring every equipment that he needs because of your presence. He's got everything that he needs. In Jesus' name, I just want to verify and agree with you God's got something special for your life. I'm not saying you have to be a pastor or a leader like I am, but I'm telling you, whatever it is, maybe it's even in business, but you're going to be a captain in whatever area, of whatever field God has anointed you. You're going to be a captain of that field, a captain of that field. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you, Paul. Praise God. Amen. Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, event registration, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you.